against Scotland at Wembley in the teeming rain. This is a whole new ball game. Delivery. John Stones is there, hits the post. What a chance for England to take the lead. Sterling, Rob McTominay came waiting for the ball in the six-yard box and Mason Mount steers it wide. Decent turn, looking for O'Donnell, big save, and Shea Adams can't turn it home. Here's Mason Mount. Marshall got something on that. Aimed it towards Hanley, drops for Dykes, cleared off the line by Rhys James. It will certainly feel better in Scotland than it will in England. It was never going to be easy. It means Scotland still have hope. And it means England still have work to do. Hello and welcome back to the What The Fork podcast at the Euros. England and Scotland played out a 0-0 draw at Wembley in their second game of the tournament to send both ends of the English and Scottish media in their absolute overdrive. We mixed emotions for all of our guests today. What we'll be hoping to bring you the most balanced view that we possibly can, that's not going to happen, um, as we can get from both of our teams and hopefully we both qualify for the knockout stages of Euro 2020. Today's guests in no particular order, Gills in the Blood, Matt, who joins us for the second time during the tournament, how are you doing? Very well, thank you, mate. Yeah, um, had the, the benefit of a night's sleep, was as disappointed as everyone else last night, I think. But um, looking back at it now, I think you have to say fair play to Scotland, but it's not a disaster, is it? Four points, two clean sheets. We haven't got out of second gear. Harry Kane ain't turned up yet, and we've, and we've qualified. But um, we'll live. I believe we'll social media, we're the worst team in the world. Yeah, we might as well just be Estonia now. Screw it. Check us out. Don't even play the Czech Republic game. Um, yeah, we were going to record last night and we all decided that we would probably be in some way way too drunk by that point. So that brings me on to my, my second guest, Jacob Farr of, of now Edinburgh Live, of course. Jacob, how are you doing? Are you all right? I say I'm good, mate. I'm good, of course. Yeah, I've, I've, I've done the Mo Johnson switch of the Edinburgh journalist world, going from the evening news to Edinburgh Live in my my short career. But I nah, mate, I'm... I'm still on the ceiling, to be honest with you. Like I said to you, I had to make myself a wee drink this morning just to actually be able to keep going and and keep ticking on. Like I just, I get restored a bit of pride. I, I didn't even care if we get pumped off Croatia on, you know, Monday. Uh, is it Tuesday we play them? Tuesday. Tuesday. Aye. Like I genuinely couldn't. After that, that was such a high, and I think it just restored so much faith and pride and. We were written off. Like we were talking about it before. Folk were saying four or five nil. Kind of seen a clip going about Twitter saying, Oh, it's Scotland, we'll score six past them. You know, all that. So it, it feels class. It, it feels like we won six now. <laughs> yeah, it definitely feels like a defeat. I'm not going to deny that. I think uh, I found, I will come on to it, but the five, six nil comments, mental. And anyone who thinks I'm just trying to be the, the honorable Englishman, please listen to the preview podcast where I predicted 1 1. So if you think I'm an Englishman, fucking up is. Um, and last but not least, Gabe Mackay of the Daily Record. Gabe, um, this is not a video podcast, but the first thing I said to you when you came on is, wow, you've had a heavy night. You can tell by your eyes. So how was your night, mate? I was, it was, it was all right. Uh, I have sort of vague memory of walking past some some youngsters and joining and singing the John McGinn song at about half 12. Uh, but um, no, it <laughs> wasn't bad. I haven't unfortunately made myself a, a drink this morning because I'm working later, but I similar boat, I guess. 
Yeah, me and Matt are absolutely fine. I wonder why that is. Um, first and foremost, <laughs> Jake, well, I'll come on to you. Um, it certainly seems that the of the happy of the two nations, as you can tell by the intro, is Scotland. Um, the morning after, how are you assessing the game? I just think it was. I just think it was. It was a perfect setup. I mean, we just looked comfortable. I think sometimes, like I was expecting, if we get a result, we're going to get battered. And it's going to just be like an onslaught for the entire game. But we actually looked controlled. And Clarke came out and said, you know, the team feels vindicated and this, that, the next thing from uh, the result against the Czechs. But he changed it. And it and it worked. Like, that's that's what we've been crying out for is Billy Gilmore in centre midfield and controlling the play. And, and he just looked incredible. Like, he looked like he'd been playing for years in, in that Scotland jersey. And as I said, before the game, even, like, I was at the Czech... Uh, the Czech Republic match and it was a huge it was a huge low it was a huge low it took me a few days to sort of get over it and I was I was fearing the worst but like Stephen O'Donnell was absolutely fantastic who had a bad game on Monday he just can pretty much answered all the critics had just an outstanding performance and I just think everyone everyone in Scotland's just got that you know what I mean our, our chests are out you know, our backs are up now, and, and I think we've proven that. You know, we've seen Rio Ferdinand saying, oh, come on, it's Scotland. Like, I've never been so confident that we are going to win a match in the studio. And it just felt so good. just felt so good to show that not only did we get a result, but we actually held our own. And I'd actually say we were the better team on, on the night. I think it's... Um, and just to give a, a perspective on this, and I'll, I'll come to you, Matt, really, and then, then we'll go to Gabe and back to Scotland. But one of the big things that got me... It's difficult because you don't want to... I said this to, to, to Ashley last night. In a sense, I didn't concentrate too much on Scotland's performance because in the same sense, I'm an England fan, so I concentrate on what we can do moving forward, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So it's not a it's not a pushback on saying Scotland played bad or didn't play well or whatever it, it was, because obviously they did and, and obviously deserved it. And I think I agree with Jacob, they probably could have nicked it. Um, but in the preview show, I said we need to go in the first 10, 15 minutes knock the kind of heart out of Scotland a bit because that's one thing they will bring is, is fight, desire, passion. It's, it's a big game for Scotland and not just in the context of who they're playing. They needed a result because Tuesday would have been pointless without it. So there was so much more than just England versus Scotland in it and, and that's big enough as it is. But I felt like with England, I said this yesterday and I'll stick by it even after a night's sleep. It felt like England, no matter... What happened on the pitch, we had lots of possession, but did nothing with it. And I think sometimes we've seen many times that a team will sit back and be ready, like, like you know, stay away, stay in your positions, don't go mental, don't go too much, just do what you need to do, counteract when you can and, and do whatever. And it felt like a lot of the time England, in games like that, if you ask enough questions, eventually there'll be one mistake, there'll be one slip. And then that one slip, that's when you've got to take your chance. And it felt like a lot of the time England just decided to pass it along the back. I mean, it's so easy for Scotland to defend against. And the couple of times we actually pushed a bit higher, took the ball off them, like the McTominay chance when uh, I think it was Mason Mount put wide. Scotland did buckle a little bit, as is not a bad thing. That's kind of what happens like when you've got players of what should be our quality. But it sort of felt like England just didn't ask enough questions is kind of what I'm getting at. And, and I feel like that was really our downfall. We passed it along the middle far too much. But, but Matt, do you agree with that? Or do you think that Scotland were just very good defensively and, and, and nullified us to doing that? Uh, I think it's a bit of both, to be honest. Like you said, you, you've alluded to it already, the McTominay one where he tries to be cute and he gets caught. And 
Mount should score. He, he's six yards out and he's, he's got the whole goal to aim at. He's got to hit the target at the very least. We had the John Stones header just before then. If one of them goes in, Scotland have to change their whole approach. They have to then come out and try to play and we probably pick them off. And we, we might have gone on and won two or three nil, but we didn't. We hit the post, we missed. Scotland grew into the game. We gave them more confidence the longer the first half went on. And we were just so lethargic and so slow with the ball. Declan Rice might as well have been playing sweeper because he ended up deeper than the centre-halves. And I've got no issue with that per se, a midfielder coming to get the ball off his centre-halves. But Calvin Phillips was then doing it as well. What we did well against Croatia was Declan dropped in and then Calvin was the one that was doing the, the box-to-box midfield role, almost like a, an old-school 4-4-2 centre midfielder. But they both did the same thing last night and it meant that Scotland could get back in their shape really quickly. Their two wing-backs became full-backs. They had three centre-halves. We couldn't break them down. And, and you've got to give credit to Scotland for that more than uh, as much as saying that we were poor. And like you've alluded to, I think there was a, a few tweets I saw on your tweet when you put out the preview show and, oh, Scotland are going to be frantic and headless chickens and they're going to get a tonking. Mental life. It looked like the occasion got to England more than it got to Scotland. Absolutely. Scotland turned up with a plan and turned up with a um, a desire to improve on what was a really poor performance against the Czech Republic. And they got that. Um but at the same time, I don't buy into all the, the stuff I've been hearing about Kane's got to be dropped and Southgate should lose his job and we're shy and it's a poor... It is a poor performance, I get that. But as I said before we come on air, if we draw nil-nil with Croatia last Sunday and beat Scotland, no one bats an eyelid. We're basically in the knockout stage. We haven't got out of second gear. Our top scorer hasn't turned up yet. And we've played historically our dearest rivals and the World Cup finalists from three years ago and we haven't conceded a goal and we've looked pretty comfortable defensively. We've still got Jordan Henderson and Harry Maguire to come back. We still haven't unleashed the likes of Jaden Sancho, Marcus Rashford properly, Jack Grealish properly, Jude Bellingham. It's, it's, options, it's a trap it? last night from our point of view and I get that and if we want to win the tournament and no disrespect to, to Scotland, we need to be beating teams like that in the same way that when we do our talks throughout the season, if Sunderland want to get promoted, they should be beating Gillingham. Yeah. That's just the way of the world. If you look at the two lineups and go, who's got the better players, England should win the game and should win it pretty comfortably. But we all know that's not how you win a football match. You don't just turn up, you have to go and earn the right to do it. We didn't do it enough and we made it far too easy for the Scots to defend against it. But at the same time, it wasn't just a case of Scotland turning up and parking the proverbial bus. They still had a go. I thought the man up top, Lyndon... Lyndon Dykes. Dykes was decent in the air. He caused problems. Che Adams, or Che Mook Adams as we call him now. Sounds like a, <laughs> sounds like a McDonald's dish. He, but, he, he was belting uh, out, um, he was belting out Flower of Scotland, by the way, yesterday. Did anyone notice him belting out Flower of Scotland? Good, yeah. And I thought he was very good. I'm not he sure was. the chance that he had second half was as, as clear-cut as it was being made out in the coverage and on so social media. He had a lot difficult. to do. Yeah. Um, but Scotland were better than us to a man. Billy Gilmore, like Jacob's already mentioned, absolutely superb in his first start. And he'll go on and win probably 7,500 caps if he stays fit. Um but Scotland have got good players now. This is the thing. We're not turning up against the Scotland team that, that's in the doldrums. I know they've not qualified for a tournament for 25 years or 23 years or whatever it is, but you've got a Champions League winner in there. You've got Kieran Tierney, who's won everything with Celtic. You've got John McGinn, who's been playing in the Premier League. You've got Scott McTominay, that plays in a good Man United side. You've got Che Adams, who improved last season. This isn't a, a poor, poor Scotland side. I know they're one of the lowest-ranked teams in the tournament, but it's derby football. It's tournament football. All that shit goes out the window, let's be honest. 
Yeah, it does. Absolutely. And I think in the context of the game from an England perspective, and maybe I'm trying to convince myself something here, but I've seen, I've watched Sunderland lose their opening 10 games of the season and then beat Newcastle because we were more up for it. And I think you alluded to it before, mate. I think intent is a big thing. And, and Scotland were almost almost angry. Um, Gabe, actually, I'll, I'll bring that to you as well. There seemed an anger about Scotland last night, um, a controlled aggression, shall we say. What, what did you make of, of the performance? I thought it was a really good performance. Um, I mean, as as Matt said, now obviously England had a lot of the ball, but I felt that so Scotland, for the most part, apart from there was that kind of 10 minutes, as you've mentioned, with the Mount chance and the Stone chance, I thought Scotland were largely in control of the game without being in control of the ball. Uh, it sort of reminded me, um, Matt might be less familiar, um, but I think we'd all have seen Steve Clark's Kilmarnock team play against Rangers and Celtic. And it was, to me, that first half in particular was just very reminiscent of watching those kind of games where, yeah, you're solid, you're in your shape, you're defending well, but it's not parking the bus. You are looking to go out and attack. And I think you could see that with the selection he picked with the, if you've got both Gilmore and McGregor in midfield, you know, those are two guys who want to get on the ball and pass it. And with the Adams chance that was blocked, that was a really nice move down the side. O'Donnell could have scored on that volley, which again was a really nice move down the other side with uh, Tierney and Robertson linking up on the left as they like to do. And I, I mean, obviously, I wanted that goal to go in anyway. I'd also had a cheeky bet on Stephen O'Donnell to be first goal scorer at 66 to 1. So when uh, Pickford saved that shot, it cost me 670 quid. So that was a bit of a gutter. But I think you're right in what you say about the anger. I think there was quite clearly a reaction from the players. There was the criticism, as I think that now the England team are getting from some people in England. The criticism to that loss to the Czech Republic, I think, was over the top. Now, we spoke about it after the game and I think we said look it was a disappointing performance but we had the chances to at least get a point from that game and I think some of the criticism really went over the top and I think that that anger you talk about is where that came from and particularly O'Donnell in particular who didn't play very well against the Czech Republic we said that on the podcast although I think we were fair about it Scott Mm -hmm. said on the preview show that you know he wasn't that bad and he came out after the game and he made clear that he obviously had heard that criticism and I think for him to go out there against you know let's let's not beat around the bush some very very good England players it's Sterling at first and then Jack Grealish comes on and I don't think O'Donnell put a foot wrong all night and you know that's, that's a guy that's playing right back from Motherwell you know he's not on the level of the players he's up against uh, I thought he did really well and yeah I just I just thought it was one of the, I mean obviously you see people going oh why why are you celebrating a nil-nil but I think that you know the the, the reason the draw was received with such sort of enthusiasm was just because it was such a committed and well-organised and performance with not not a little quality in it. Now, maybe we you know lack that sort of cutting edge in the final third, but I thought it was just a really a really good performance and very in- encouraging going forward into that crucial Croatia game. At risk of kind of bursting the balloon a little bit. But obviously, there's a wave of positivity around Scotland at the minute because of the performance, because of the result, and rightly so. I, I totally get it. Um, I tend not to support teams that are favourites, so I understand celebrating a nil draw 100%. Um, I get that completely. But is the worry now on Tuesday? You've got a win, and Steve Clark can show. A, wasn't a back to the walls performance, but as you said before, a performance that he played against Rangers and Celtic is the worry he can put in that kind of performance. But when he's got to win the game, it might go a bit Czech Republic-ish. Yeah, that would be a concern. I mean, I think I said before, 
the tournament started that actually I thought the Czech game suited us the least because on paper they're yeah. this team on the group. Although I think we also said that they're probably not as bad as people were making out. And I thought that might suit us less. I always thought going down to Wembley, playing in that game, now obviously England being favourites, but I did always think that that's the kind of game that suits us more. And now you're going into that Croatia game, which is, to all intents and purposes, a knockout game because the winner will be on four points. I don't, you'll go through on four points if, even if you finish third. So it's, all, to all intents and purposes, a knockout game where we have to win. And yeah, that would be the concern that we're going to have to come out, although they'll have to come out too because they have to win as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, 100%. I, obviously, I've seen the game yesterday and I watched Croatia against us and uh, they don't hugely concern me. If I was a Scotland fan, first and foremost, I wouldn't be too concerned. Modric is there, but he's not the Modric he was you know, 10 years ago. Um, but again, every game's in, in, in this context, isn't it? Um, moving away from Scotland slightly, Matt, um, as, I, as I marked out before, there's been a huge reaction from both sides, fans, media, Twitter. I don't know whether Twitter's ever a good barometer. I'm going to say it's not. Um, to England's result from the, the media, the fan base, and everything is overwhelmingly negative. Um, you've touched on a bit before, but how much of an overreaction do you think it is? Huge, absolutely huge. I think it's ridiculous. Like I said, if we if we if we get the results the other way around, no one bats an eyelid, and everyone's going, "Oh, we got four points. We get two clean sheets. We're, we're not playing great. There's room to improve." You don't want to be peaking in game two and game one. No. Sunday, if we go back to that game, blazing heat, first tournament game for most of the team. If you're looking at the Rice, the Phillips, and they were probably our best players. So. What we've got to understand is we have this clamour in this country to play the youngsters, to play people that are in form, to not go, oh, we're picking this player because he plays for a bigger club. We're doing that. And then we're berating them when they put in a slightly under par performance. We didn't get beat last night. If we got beat 3-0, fair enough. And we were absolute doggo. But we were under par. We were decent enough against the Croats, I thought. We, we managed the game in stifling heat. We were solid, took our chance when it came along and managed the game really well after that and saw it out. And like you said, Croatia have got good players, but they're all the wrong side of 30 now. They're all on the the downward side of the hill in terms of their career at the top level. And they've still got quality. I get that Perisic's goal yesterday sort of alludes to that, but Modric is 36 and you're still expecting him to run the show. Um, but back to last night again, it comes back to if one of them early chances goes in, it's probably a completely different story because then Scotland have to come out and we'll pick them off. Did Southgate get the right team? Probably not. I don't think we had to play Phillips and Rice. But we didn't get beat and we're in the knockout stage and we've not even started yet and we've got so many options. I don't get this urge to just absolutely batter everyone as soon as there's an under-par performance. So what happens if we won 1-0? We're the best team in the world and we're going to win the Euros and all football's coming home and Vindaloo's being sung everywhere and we're introducing cheddar cheese to each other. It's just, it's, it's bollocks to be quite frank. It goes from one extreme to the other. Why is there, why is there no, there's no middle ground? We're either world beaters or, you know, National League North side. I, I don't get it. It makes me angry. Proud Englishman. You're a proud Englishman. We've got two yep. proud Scots. But just have a little bit of realism for Christ's sake because it, it's just boring otherwise called delusional this morning on Twitter because I'm not buying into the whole Kane needs to be dropped, Southgate needs to be sacked. But they'll all be singing Southgate's bringing football home again in two days if we go and win 3-4-0 against the Czech Republic and we forget this result. Then I think this has been a big part of that and you touched on it earlier is how badly the media builds up that England team. Now see for me, how you guys were second favourites was mind-boggling. 
Like personally, I had my money on the Italians at the start. It was between them or the Portuguese. Felt the French were too short for any value, but they they were really the big three for me. Maybe the Belgians, you know, sniffing around as well. But the way that the English media hyped it up, like you guys are in the same sort of department as them. Now, if Billy Gilmore, McGregor, and McGinn are holding their own against your midfield. How is that midfield going to fare when it's up against Pogba, Canty and Rabio, Or, you know, Jorginho Verratti and, and a lot of them. Like, like, even when Belgium were in a sticky situation against Denmark, who are a far superior side to us, they found a way to get out of it. This just seems a bit like the same old England. Like, like I think you guys are a really, really good team. But I also think there has to be, like you say, a, a bit of realism. You aren't quite at that level yet. Of like, and I know what you mean. You don't want to peak in international football. We see the way the Italians have been playing the past two games. Like they look frightening, and they look like they could shake it up with that defence. You know, they look like they could, you know, sit back and invite the pressure on if they were against a France or something. Whereas, I think that's a problem for England. They, they talk themselves into such a great position that when you draw nil nil with a team like Scotland, and no disrespect to us, but we're we're no world class. You've got to win those games if you're a serious contender. Like, if you are someone who is going to go on and win this tournament, you've got to show more than what you showed even in that game last night. And I think that's where maybe, like, a lot of the reactions come from. Everyone's built themselves up in, in their mind, and ultimately, like, it's it's not reality. When England come up against a Denmark or a Belgium, like, I, I know he's beat Belgium that time, but he's have lost the teams round about that level. There needs to be... I sort of bring it back, enjoy the ride. You've got young players, it might be, you know, five, ten years where you do have that nice mix of experience and youth. But at the moment, it's it's too much. There just has to be an enjoy the ride, I think, for English football fans. I think it is, though, worth saying that, as you pointed out, England have kept two clean sheets in those games. And I think if you look at teams that win tournaments, look at France last time out now. France have got a great squad. But they didn't go out and blow teams away. They won look, most look games. At, look at nil. Greece. Look at Greece. That's where we're looking at. Look at Greece. Yeah, yeah one nil win all the way there. <laughs> even look at that great Spain team. I mean, so they weren't a defensive team, but generally they went one nil up and passed the ball around until the other team was tired and maybe got a second or just won one nil. So, I think you know the reaction of people in England because there are all these good players, the Fodens and Sancho's and all that. They sort of want Southgate to just go out and be all out attack and you know, play this really forward-thinking sort of total football style. And the reality is that teams that win tournaments generally don't play in that way. It's not a computer game at the end of the day. You can't just put all your best attacking players in because it ain't fucking fair. And I was just going to say, though, like, like I, I hear completely what, like, Gab's saying, but for me, like, you still need to... There's, like, an eye test. You know what I mean? When Spain were winning those 1-0 games... You were looking at that team and thinking, "Core, they are, they look incredible." Whereas England, you're watching them, there's still a bit of nervousness. They're no completely, you know, it's not like the tiki taka of Spain or even like that France squad, you know, in the World Cup, who, you know, had someone who's don't get me wrong, I think Harry Kane's one of the best strikers on the planet, but Mbappe's like electric. It just takes him to just have one moment. I just don't see. When England come up against a Portugal or France, I think you could maybe beat Germany. I, I think I, I just think they get overrun. I just don't think they've got 
you know, the makeup, the cohesion, the tactics, anything to be able to beat those big teams. I think we play in this a lot of people came in and talked about the defense. I did it and went, oh, maybe that's the weakest part of our team, the strongest part is up, up top. I still sort of believe that in a way, but I believe the way that we play, particularly Harry Kane, Matt, the way we play Harry Kane is not to Harry Kane's strengths. Look at how he plays at Spurs. He's got like Son running off him. He's got Lucas Moura. He's got Bale. He's got these people that can run off him. And yet the one that probably would suit it, which to be fair, I didn't say play him in the team. I said Foden and Grealish. So I can't suddenly be like this mastermind of, of tactical knowledge. But I would much prefer someone like a Jaden Sancho, get the ball, bomb down the right, put the ball in and play Harry Kane in the bloody box. It feels like Harry Kane also is someone who can interlink with players like that. That's why Harry Kane's got so many assists as well as goals. Do you think that maybe people are pointing the finger and finding the scapegoat, which happens. Gareth Southgate will know all about finding the scapegoat um, in the English media, which I do think is more media probably than the fan base, if I'm honest. Um, but do you think that Harry Kane's been made the scapegoat when actually the problem is how we're playing Harry Kane, not how Harry Kane's playing? Yeah, I do. I think this is an argument I've had with people on Twitter this morning and people are saying, oh, he's got to be dropped. He don't look fit. He's not interested. Not interested in playing for England in a fucking European Championship against Scotland. Have a day off. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's had no service. He's, he's not right, been great. Man. I get that. He's not He's not had any service. He's not been great. But he's coming deep he's to interested. get it, He's coming he's, deep he's to doing, get yeah. it, isn't he? And then he's got, and he's got no pace for, to, for, in terms of other players to run off of him like he does at Tottenham, like you say. If he drops 20 yards for Spurs, he spins and Son's on his bike. Mora's on his bike. Bale's on his bike. At the moment, this is why I didn't buy into the clamour for Mount, Grealish and Foden all starting. Because it, and you can go, oh, they're all good players, so they, they should find space and they should learn how to play. But they're all a similar type of player. They all want it to feed. They're not going to stretch defences. They're not going to run in between Scotland's centre-backs. They're not going to expose the space in between the wing-backs if we turn it over. And I think Foden's been all right the first two games. But he's not quite living up to the air cut yet, is he? Let's put it like that. No, not, not even close, unfortunately. If you've got a natural winger, a Sancho or a Rashford or a Sterling, you can go both ways there. You can come inside, but you can get to the byline. For me, we've got to play two wide men against the Czechs that are quick. And I think there's a case for, for leaving Rice or Phillips out and making us more mobile and better on the ball in the middle of the park. So we're not just going square balls across our back line or square balls 70 yards from the, the Czech Republic goal, which is what we did last night. Um, but Harry Kane's not the problem. The way oh, we've played in the so. first two games is the problem. Nearly 40 goal contributions last season for Tottenham points to the fact that, that Harry Kane is definitely not the problem. But all of a sudden he's shit because he's had two quiet games. And you, I mean, we didn't look anywhere near at it when he went off. It's not no offense to Morris Rashford. I don't think he's a central striker. I think he's someone who would actually probably benefit playing on the right hand side, mm-hmm. um, if not Sancho. But when Kane went off, it was like you, you can't take off one of the best strikers in the world when you need a goal. Um, and people are welcome to disagree, but I, I honestly think it's the way we, the way we play. Him. Um, Gabe, just to move back to Scotland a bit, which is like tune and fullness a little bit, it's mad. Um, but. Scotland have gone from being a shite team, it's shite being Scottish, they fucked their chances, to the most courageous side ever with an abundance of talent across the park that's going to be the best Scottish side ever. Um, when we talk about overreactions, it happens both sides. Um, the proof will come in the pudding. And I really... Croatia free, Scotland nil. <laughs> I really hope... <laughs> I really hope it's the other way because I've seen there. I want I've got an affection for Scotland. People know that, um, but the proof will be in the pudding. But was that a 
Derby performance, bodies on the line, saltire waving in the air, like Braveheart, or was it simply just the standard Scotland are now at? Yeah, I, I, see, I, I don't think it was particularly a sort of bodies on the line, saltire waving performance. I think it was a really intelligent and controlled performance against a team that we know has better attacking quality and better, better quality in most areas than Scotland do. So I, I don't think it was, you know, a particularly, as you say, throwing bodies on the line and hanging on. I think for most of the game, we looked pretty pretty comfortable at the back. And obviously you guys have spoken about some of the problems England have had and I absolutely agree. I mean, they had no width yesterday, I thought, which uh, you'd think would maybe be then they could pull the back three out of position. And then Kane might have had more of an opportunity to do something um, rather than, obviously he didn't do much, but he got the criticism. But no, I think I think Scotland were, uh, that is just, if, if we play at our best, which we didn't on Monday, I think that's just the kind of level Scotland are at now, which I think is a, decent, well-organised team that is probably greater than the sum of its parts and plays to our strengths. I mean, it was a friendly, obviously, but you saw the warm-up game against the Netherlands. We played very well in that game, probably should have won that. The playoff game away at Serbia, uh, it went to penalties, but the thing is, we, we were by far the better team over the 90 minutes and then in typical Scotland fashion, conceded a last-minute equaliser and then Serbia could have won the game in extra time. So I think it, it was just that's the kind of level Scotland are at. Not world beaters, but a decent international team that's going to go out there, do what we do well, organised, everyone knows their role. And when you come up against bigger teams like in England, you, you need things to go for you. You need that stone's header to come off the post and you need everyone to be at their best. But I think they were last night. I don't think there's a player in the Scotland team who you could say had a poor game, whereas I think there are several in the England team who you could say, weren't at their best and that's what you need if Scotland are going to go to Wembley and get a result we need to go be at, we need all our players to be at their best we need to have a little bit of luck and we need England not to be quite at their best which is what happened last night Talking about um, players that I agree I think it's difficult to pick a Scotland player who had a bad game um, but but Jacob I mean me and you have spoke about this me and Gabe have spoke about me Scott's missing today but me and Scott's obviously spoke about it a lot and we talked about Billy Gilmore being potentially the grenade from an outside perspective I couldn't understand why you wouldn't start him because of I like to think I know my football people will probably well people will disagree with me on that 100% but I've watched a fair few games so I think I know what a good play constitutes um Billy Gilmore from the off from the first time I seen him I was like whoa this kid's like got this composure of a 30 an experienced 30 year old he's spraying passes he's fast he's got like his brains ahead of any anyone else that's in that Scotland team in the midfield in my opinion uh, McGinn will give you energy McGregor's uh, yeah, McGregor's got his benefits difficult for me to say Rangers fan um, whereas Gilmore is just like light years ahead and, and far younger but I think a couple of people had doubts because of his age and you know the pros and cons of playing a 19, 20 year old that had never played for Scotland before and so on and so forth. How many of those people have doubted him? Has he silenced with that performance yesterday, Jacob? I mean, I'm not too sure how many people doubted him, to be honest. Like what I've seen is maybe just the fact that he, you know, hadn't been around the setup all that much. You know, he was maybe a bit young and you know, I, I'll be honest, I gave Clarkie a hiding after the Czech Republic game for for some of his team selections, but look like he's the right man to have in charge of Scotland, and I'm wondering if maybe he didn't want to stick him on that first game because he was wanting to protect him. But I really felt like, see, when we went 1-0 down against the Czechs, 
we were crying out for someone like Gilmore in in the centre of the park, and I think it was a no-brainer for him to go on, you know, against England. He's he does it day in day out in training. Like it's not just every manager he's had raves about him. So I think it is just waiting for waiting for his time to come, and it doesn't. Sometimes in Scotland we've had players who we thought were going to become like you know the next big thing. I remember off the top of my head, maybe Holly Burke going to Leipzig was one of them that I was thinking, you know, is this guy going to become, you know, Scotland's superstar? But Gilmore seems the real deal. And I think it's it's someone that allows us to be able to, you know, control the tempo a bit. There was little periods where England were getting into the game and you could see it in midfield. We would, you know, they had that intelligence, and Billy Gilmore had that intelligence at his age to be able to recycle the ball, keep the ball for a bit, you know, give us a breather. I think against Croatia, he'll he'll boss the midfield again. Honestly, terrifies me that Chelsea have him as a prospect as well as N'Golo Kante coming up as well. And I just think if if Scotland can get the right players, you know, McGinn, McTominay, I think are perfect around him. McGregor, it's it's like it was touched on earlier. you will play 75 to 100 games for Scotland, barring injury or, you know, some Scottish curse that inflicts him somehow and ruins his career because we're not allowed nice things. But, um, no, nah, I, I genuinely, I think it was a coming age performance, but it wasn't one that came out of nowhere. People have been talking about this kid for ages. And and I think we'll we'll continue to talk about them. I've got Chelsea pals that I studied with that that rave about the guy. I genuinely want him in the team over Jorginho, Kovacic, and players like that. The boy's like twenty years old, so no, I I think I don't think he had any doubters, and I think he just proved us right. Everyone everyone knows he's a top player. The only side I know that's produced two world class players, and they're both playing the same position. Everyone's in the wrong like place in the park isn't it like if if we could just have a bit of the talent from Tierney Robertson Gilmore McGinn McTominay and just like almost like out of space jam like monster them into like Lyndon Dykes or Shea Adams up top who are good players but you know what I mean they're no they're no Man United Chelsea level if we could get a bit of that talent just up there like something what's been happening at youth level in scotland for like the last 10 years where we only are now producing left backs because you've got tierney and robertson greg taylor's also in the squad and you've got aaron hickey who's at bologna and josh doig was really good for hips this season so i think one day it might just be that we'll just field an entire team of left backs yeah i think someone just got the memo didn't they? and just went right we need a left back so sort the left backs out and then everyone just produced one as it is talking about yeah. Billy Gilmore, to be fair, who's obviously in a midfielder. Um, great stats here from ESPN. He's now been man of the match on his full debut in the FA Cup, the Premier League, the Champions League, and now his first start for Scotland. He's been named man of the match in each one. He was player of the tournament at one of the under... I can't remember if it was under-18s or under-17s or something like that, but he had... He won like all the accolades at one of these youth tournaments as well in the past. So he's just he's ticking all the boxes. The Adros and Andrea Pelo, I heard him referred to this morning. <laughs> no, it's the 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 uh, Adros and uh, was it not? Oh, it's... that was yes, that was the one. The Adros and Ardiles. Um <laughs> Yeah, I'll take it. Fair enough. Um, in terms of England, Matt. Scotland were really brave with their changes. Like, I'll be honest, there was a couple of people I went, oh, like, I would chuck this and blah, 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 and then went, but he'll not do it. 
and he kind of did. He went two up top. He put Gilmore in. He kind of had a bit loaty with uh, Stephen O'Donnell on the right hand side, but in, in the main, he kind of threw more grenades in than I think people expected. People are asking Southgate to do the same. Um, we've already discussed the fact that maybe we shouldn't be chucking every tackle on. It's not football manager. Um, but if you if you are Gareth Southgate, what are you changing for the Czech Republic game? Do you chuck the grenades in or do you change the formation? What is it that you would do? Uh, I think I tweeted this morning and said and put a, a graphic up of who I'd change. I'd, um, I'd change the full-backs again because we can, because Scotland have a million left-backs. So I think... We've got a million right-backs. We've got a million <laughs> right-backs. We could have just done that. That'd have been a fun evening, wouldn't it? <laughs> Just a load of left backs against a load of right backs. So maybe we can have like a trade deal. I mean, just like a race, wouldn't it? Who can get from one end of the pitch <laughs> to the opposition goal the quickest wins? But uh, um, Tyron Ming stays in for me because he's done nothing wrong in the first two games. So you keep Pickford, you keep Stones, you keep Mings. I put Kyle Walker back in. Yeah, I didn't think Reese James offered enough last night aside from one ball no, um, that Kane was offside for anyway. Uh, I think that was the one occasion he ended up in the Scotland box. Um, sure, alike, but I just I don't know. There's something he just lacks composure in the final third for me. Whenever I see him, whether that's for United or that's or England, sure. and I'll get battered by a load of United fans. I know now because they watch oh, him every week, and that's fine. But I think Chilwell's a better option. I had Chilwell in for the first game anyway. Um, I drop Declan Rice, yeah, and bring in Jack Grealish and play him in a midfield three. Yeah, so I'd have. Calvin Phillips sitting in front, Mount and Grealish either side of him. Take out Sterling. I thought he was poor last night. I know he scored in the first game, but I just thought for all the pace he's got, he slowed it down ridiculously last night. It was, was I think there was, I saw something on social media and there's a point where the second half where he got the ball and he turned round, then he turned round again. And then Reese James overlapped. So Raheem Sterling turned round again. Reese James dropped off. He turned, you know where this is fucking going. So, and then we lost possession. Uh, um, so I'd take him out and I'd, I'd unleash Sancho and I'd unleash Rashford from the start. So my team would be Pickford, Walker, Stones, Mings, Chilwell, Phillips, Mount, Grealish, Sancho, Kane, Rashford. Yeah, I disagree. Four, three, three. I disagree with that, to be honest, mate. I'd be, we I'd beat Czech Republic 5-0 in qualifying, I think, didn't we? Or World Cup qualifying. I know we it's beat, all a bit... We beat them 5-0 and then we lost 2-1 away, weirdly. That happens, but... We beat them 5 0 on Tuesday. We'll win the tournament, won't we? Yeah, football's coming home and all that, isn't it? Again, exactly. All that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, God, I hope so, yeah, but I doubt it. Um, big question, I suppose, uh, regarding England. I don't know how to answer this. I do and I don't, but finishing the second realistically gives us an easier route. So you could say it's technically better. I do just need to win a good performance to match on Tuesday and just top the group and just do what we can do. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't want to be on Twitter if we draw with the Czech Republic put it that way yeah oh Jesus Christ I'm deleting the account if we're so, so Spain play today don't they they play Poland Poland yeah so Sweden have already got four points in that group haven't they yes so Spain win there pretty much through so you look like you're going to be playing Spain or Sweden if Spain win today so I suppose we've all got to cheer on the Polish then yeah, yeah, I'm happy Hope with they that. win, then draw, finish second, lose on penalties in the last 16. Yeah, standard England tournament, yeah. Because <laughs> we did this second in Euro 2016 and got knocked out by a second-rate supermarket. So, 
<laughs> so, so what's the point? We're going to have to beat a good side at some point if we want to win the whole bloody thing. So let's go and batter Czech Republic. Let's get a bit of confidence. And then I'd say it's probably likely to be Portugal or Germany. Yay. Uh, my excitement is is riveting by that, that possibility, as you can tell. Um, <laughs> I don't think he's beat the Swedes, to be honest with me. If you've seen how well they've done against the Spanish, that's, um, oh, that's um, a really tough game. That's I'm not going to lie, when it comes to Sweden, anything with Seb Larsson, I'm, I'm happy and comfortable getting beat with because he's the most beautiful man that's ever graced this goddamn planet. Um, on the Scotland, Gable, I'll come to you with this one. A huge result, obviously, that gives you a chance of progression. I think it's more than just celebrating a draw. It actually is a draw that gives you chance of progression as well, and it puts it in your hands at your home stadium. So it's not just about celebrating the draw. Um, but after a good night's sleep, it's, we touched on a bit before, but are you worried about Tuesday because of the fact that it was, again, another game where you didn't score and missed chances as well? There is that. Obviously, if you look at the number of shots we had in the first two games and particularly the chances we had against the Czechs, and we had some chances against England, not as many, but we had some chances. You have to think just by the law of statistical averages, eventually one of them has to go in. So if we create that many chances against Croatia, again, I don't see how you can go through three games in a row with that many shots, that many chances, and still not score a goal. Although if anyone could do that, it would be Scotland. Scotland. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think if if we can go out and play against Croatia like we played against England, ideally with a you know a bit, a bit more of the ball and a bit more chances, because I don't think Croatia are as good a team as England, as we've touched on. They're, they're not the team they were three years ago. The players they've got are three years older and guys like Mandzukic have retired from international football. So, yes, it's a concern that we haven't scored goals because we obviously have to score on Tuesday unless the Croats helpfully score an own goal for us. But we have to score on Tuesday, so it is a concern. But it's not like we aren't creating chances, even in the warm-up games. I mean, the amount of chances... Okay, it was a friendly against 10-man Luxembourg, but the amount of chances we missed in that Luxembourg game as well, you have to think, surely, eventually one of these has got to go in. So I think if we play like we did against England and better than we did against the Czechs, but create that level of chances, then I think we've got a, a good chance. Jacob, same to you. The goals will come. The I've goals got, will come. You know I've got this recorded, right? Sorry? You know I've got this recorded, right? Yeah. No, no, no. I think, honestly, I think it's great that we're creating chances. You know, obviously we scored goals against Austria and scored goals against the Dutch and... I honestly think they'll come. They'll come. It's just been a couple of games where the ball's just not ended up in the back of the net. And I mean, like, that Czech Republic keeper was like Peter Czech against us. Like, he he was incredible. That save from the own goal and yeah, the shots going off the bar. Like, on another day, they drop in. They drop in. And, and I honestly... Croatia worry me a bit, but more so because we're Scotland and our ability to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory is, you know, incredible, if that's the right quote. It's unmatched. It's been a long, long 24 hours. But, um, yeah, no, at least we have a chance. At least we have a chance. Um, I, I think I think we get a goal against Croatia. My worry is, is that since the two of us end up going for the win, it ends up as a 1-1. And it's a bit of a stalemate 
and somehow, somewhere, there'll be someone else on two points with one better goal difference than us somewhere across the other six groups. But uh, we've got a chance. I think if he plays the same, I'd play the same team as against as against England. Um, and reckon we've got a great chance of taking them to task. And and like I said before, we'll, we'll get goals. Shea Adams will get a goal. That's a guarantee. He'll get a goal. Um, on to the, the best-looking team, the best team in Group D, the, the Euro 2020 potential champions, England, Matt. We look like we've qualified. Yep. Despite the disappointing result yesterday, I can't see four points not being enough to at least get us third. What are you thinking for Czech Republic? You've you've named your lineup, but what we're thinking score wise? I think we're beaten. I think similarly to the way the Scots reacted to the negative reaction they got to the the result against uh, the Czechs on Monday, I think the England players will have seen some of this. They're going to say that they don't look at social media, they don't read newspapers, but it, there's too much going on for them not to have seen stuff. So I think there'll be a reaction. We have to hope that that Mr Southgate is a little bit braver with the selection. I don't think we need to be playing too old in midfielders. Um, and if we do that and we can unleash pace on them, they're not, they've got good players. They've got players that play in the Premier League. Sojcek, Kufal, the, the lad up top who's, who scored, is it Schick? Schick. Who scored the outrageous goal the other day. He's, he's massive, um, by the way. He's, he's about player. nine foot five. Seen him but, yesterday um, in the flesh and I was like, that's not even funny. But, we, but we've got better players and... It's a, it's a tricky one, isn't it? It's probably going to be a similar game because Czech Republic, now if they draw, they top the group. But are they going to try and win the group or are they going to try and come second? Are we going to try and win the group? Are we going to try and come second? There's all these weird little ramifications and especially with it being an extended tournament and third place teams go through it. It's all a bit odd and no one really knows what's happening too far down the line. But if you're looking at it as a 90 minutes, if we get the team selection right and if we move the ball quicker, we win comfortably. I'm going to say 2-0 to England. Yeah, I'll go. I'm going to stick with 1-1 for Scotland-Croatia. Don't think Scotland will score two. Low of averages says you'll score one, but I think Croatia will score as well. Um, Perisic had a decent game yesterday and his goal was dynamite. That's what he's capable of. England, I think 1-0 win. I think very much a repeat of the Slovenia performance, I think, which was in World Cup 2010, where Defoe scored when we drew against Algeria, I think, in uh, the game beforehand, which Rooney started telling all the fans to get fucked. I think on telly, I remember that. <laughs> a proper England tournament performance it was. But um, thanks for tuning in, everyone. I know there'll be half years like really enjoying listening to this and half years really wishing you'd turned it off. But nonetheless, that is football. You, you don't get all the joy all of the time, as all of us know. Um, do subscribe. I hate saying subscribe. It does my not in, but you've actually started listening, as I've said in every episode, and started subscribing. I'm close to 1,000, so get me to 1,000. Um, or I'll find your address and make you subscribe. Um, thanks for tuning in. Have a good rest of the, the weekend, your day, whatever it may be. And, and thanks to those for tuning in.